Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon, and this is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 43 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn Sales as one of 15 innovating sales influencers to follow. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest talks about the importance of people over strategy and talks about how people are the foundations to everything you do in sales and and in business. He talks about the importance of coaching, coachability, and when recruiting, looking for the behaviours um, as an identifier of future success in the way that he recruits. With, there's so much we talked about, even as, as well. You're going to love this episode of Scale Yourselves podcast. My next guest is an ex-British Army officer. He excels in leading SAS go-to-market teams in EMEA and ANZ, guiding them through IPOs and market expansion. He's passionate about mentoring diverse talent in dynamic, accountable, autonomous environments to achieve outstanding outcomes. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Andy Champion. Thank you, Janice. Delighted to be here. Well, I, I'm delighted to have you on. I have a lot of Americans, so it's lovely to to get another a Brit on and and discuss the whole sales industry. But first of all, I'd like to start with. Why did you join Highspot? Um, I guess you'd say I'm a, a gamekeeper turned poacher. I think it's the right way around. So, uh, look, I for uh, 20 years plus have been in sales, sales leadership, um, and throughout most of my career, I didn't have the access to technology. So, I was brought up in where, uh, you know, when I first took on sales leadership roles. I was literally out on the ground in cars, driving from appointment to appointment with my colleagues uh, and going in and and doing what great sales leaders do, inspire, motivate, help, educate, coach, develop, and occasionally, you know, help, you know, drive a close. Uh, And then after the meeting, you know, you might grab a coffee, you go back, sit in the car and you do the usual debrief. So, Janice, how do you think that went? What were some areas? What did you notice? and then, you know, as time came on, I, I, I lived through the revolution of, of MarTech. I was part of that industry for many, many years. Um, uh, and yet I still had nothing sales leader. CRM systems are fantastic, but they're not really built for reps. They're not really built for managers. They're built for something different. And then I came across Highspot. And I came across at Highspot during my time at DocuSign. And during that time, we were moving from being a point solution for signature to a platform for the whole contract life cycle everything you needed to do to prepare sign act and manage accounts which is actually really complex and the difference there was was you know the platform sale was a large-scale digital transformation usually decisions taken at c-suite usually a 12-month plus sales engagement versus the signature side of the business and you're done and it's not to say that's simple it's just to say they're very different and we rolled out DocuSign to help our people 
uh, give our people the skills, the knowledge, and importantly, the confidence they needed to move from selling a product to a platform. And I'm like, oh my God, this is giving me insight. It's giving me not just lagging indicators like win rates and deal value, it's giving me leading indicators that help me understand, are my people making progress uh, towards the ability in a given situation to understand what to know, say, show and do to effectively land the value proposition. And then I got introduced to the CEO and the rest is kind of history. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a, a great promo for the company, aren't you, really? Because you're, on, as you say, um, uh, poacher uh, from hunter to um, poacher is, I don't know which way around it is either. <laughs> um, in that you know you you you've seen it from from both sides really and understand the impact that this platform has on sales leaders and can actually speak speak their their language so i absolutely love love that so tell me more about your your role as a business commercial leader revenue growth specialist within high spot um so my responsibility for, for in the business is for everything outside of North America. So very grand GM of, of international sounds very grand. The reality is I'm here to serve the people that I work with. And, and you know, maybe as we go into this conversation further, we'll talk about uh, my philosophy around leadership is something I'm very passionate about. I believe very strongly in coaching. Um, but as related to, you know, to my role, um, my belief is is fundamental. It is only through and with my colleagues that we can the customer experience and the customer impact that we seek to deliver. It's only through our people that we can create an industry leading game changing product. It's only through our people that we can help our customers uh, on board that and ever board that grow with us. Uh, and so for me, whilst I'm ultimately responsible for the growth of our business, that starts with our people and making sure that we've got diverse talent that is given the tools, the systems, the processes uh, that has a culture where all voices are heard. And so a lot of what I focus on with my leadership team are the behavior is creating the environment to set people up for success. Because do you know what? If we've done the right hiring in the first place, we should be, in the words of of of, uh, of Steve Jobs, bringing in people that tell us what to do, so that we don't need to tell them what to do. Uh, there's so much to unpack there on coaching, on hiring, but I want to start off with with leadership, um, because the UK isn't doesn't have a traditional um, avenue for great leaders in terms of their training it's often on the job and and you often don't know what you don't know and it's interesting what you say about the kind of your focus is people and the behaviors how did you as a leader uh, come upon that because i often come across leaders that are very much more focused on the strategy and often trained and told to focus on the strategy. Mm -hmm. So why are you thinking more it's the people rather than the strategy? Very good question. Um, I think 
where does that come from in me? Um, I started out my career post-university in the British Army. Uh, I was a commission officer in the infantry. I went through some. And I don't know whether it was chicken or egg. Uh, you know, we could debate that for hours and that probably would be uh, a little bit boring for our listeners. But, you know, uh, ultimately, I think what Sandhurst helped me understand was the importance of people. As an officer in the infantry, your tools are your soldiers and making sure that they are fed, making sure that they are rested, making sure that they have the right skills, that they understand their part in the plan, the strategy is critical because do you know what? Again, Mike Tyson, everybody has the perfect plan until you get punched in the face. In the army, sometimes, you know, you're getting punched in the face. And if people understand fundamental strategy and have the skills and the confidence to execute it, when the start when when the bullets start flying and, and the plan starts being challenged, they can adapt. And so I think as I then transitioned into a fairly traditional career for a salesperson, uh, you know, I started out uh, as a as a um, uh, an S SDR, ADR, whatever you might call them, making calls. 100 dials a day was my first metric. Um, dials, not connects. Um, and then I progressed into a sales role and then finally sales management, sales leadership. Um, but here's the thing. If you don't have great people and if you don't create a brilliant environment where you've got diverse perspectives, where voices are, um, are, are heard, where people have the psychological safety to contribute, how can you possibly expect your strategy to be robust? And the strategy by definition comes from the thoughts in people's heads and their ability to communicate it to that group. So the strategy actually starts from the people. Everything comes back, you know, product comes back from people, people that challenge the status quo, that innovate iPhone, you know, well, arguably before that Nokia and how they, and Blackberry, how they transformed. That came from somebody's mind. And if you have brilliant people in, a, in, 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 in an environment where they can truly perform, then I think you get brilliant strategy. And then you can take that strategy back to the team and say, hey, here's where we're landing. Here's what we're not going to do is as important as what we are going to do. You've got to be explicit about what you're not going to do. Because that then gives people a very, very clear focus. So I agree with those leaders that say, you know, um, strategy, tactics for breakfast. Of course it does. The strategy itself comes from the people that you surround yourself with in your direct and in your wider network. So invest in that. Invest in both. I love what you, you have to say. Um, I'm going to perhaps challenge you on recruitment hiring um i was recently speaking at the gtm conference at nashville uh, for pavilion and i asked people to raise their hands who's ever made a bad sales hire you know the majority of the room raised their hands and it's notoriously difficult to get that talent to get the right people in in the right role and we're constantly making mistakes the um uh, validity of cvs or interviews mm -hmm. and the process that we're currently using are around 18 20 percent each one of those 
So we're actually using really poor tools in order to get the great talent. And even uh, uh, people that have really performed very well in particular roles, when you change the roles, you change the environment, you change it, you know, then you're expecting them to perform at the same level. And it very rarely happens. So how do you go about, you may identify what great looks like, but how do you go about matching that so that you do, you have the environment once they're in, but the, the recruitment process, the hiring process, how do you make sure that you do have the right people with the right tool sets that are going to excel in the, your right environment? I think there are a few components to that. And, and, and yes, we've all hired people that unfortunately have not been successful. Uh, ultimately, um, the responsibility for that is on us as the hiring managers. We are dealing here with people's careers, the people that we are hiring and our own career and those around us, right? There's nothing like poor performance to, you know, to down um, the overall contribution of the team. So, um, you're absolutely right. It's incredibly important and it's incredibly hard. The interview process is fundamentally flawed, um, uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are step improvements that that we can make uh, and maybe, you know, a couple of ideas on that. Um, but first, you know, one of the things you didn't ask me, which I say is really, really important, is um, to make a great hire, you have to be crystal clear on what it is that you are looking for. And for me, I look for behavioral traits because I can back myself to give people this knowledge, right? We're an enablement company. If we can't do that, then Lord help us. Um, so I'm interested in behaviors and I'm interested in testing for curiosity. I'm interested in testing for coachability. And I'm also interested in somebody's innate drive and determination to succeed. And one of the ways that that can show up is how do they, uh, what is their approach to um, ongoing learning, right? How do they continue to educate themselves, not just at work, but also out, outside of work? What books are they are reading? Um, a couple of ways to test for that that I found particularly useful. This behavior, I find, is a really good predictor of future behavior. So instead of giving people a, a theoretical, uh, situation and asking them to answer, you know, what would they would do if they were on the moon and they had, you know, one liter of oxygen left? I mean, oh God knows, just make it up. I'm looking for experiences from the past. Tell me about this. Tell me about the deal that you've done from a sales perspective. What is the one deal that you've done that you are most proud of and why? And so through questions like that, looking at their past, I'm seeking to under, uh, understand curiosity coachability and and that kind of the belly the the, the self uh, the drive because i can't give people drive i can nudge i can cajole i can push i can even give people a kick at the butt if i need to but ultimately i think we are responsible for our own success and if we're not motivated to that it's really hard for other people to uh, to to do so um one of the other things i think is really important is communication particularly in sales, but also I would argue in, in many other roles as well. If you can't communicate or, or if you struggle to communicate, how can you possibly convey the brilliant ideas that you've got? 
Um, and I was very fortunate to go to a breakfast organized by uh, um, Clary uh, last week, uh, our dear friends and partners over there. And one of uh, the other attendees, Paul Devlin, gave a little tip that I've yet to try, but I'm going to do that. And in one of in his first interviews with people, he asked them to uh, prepare uh, a, a slide or to draw their life story. And he gives them 15 minutes to go and prepare that. And then he asked them to talk through their story visually. And it struck me that that would be a really effective exercise in understanding the individual and then springboarding into other experiences and and, and testing for the things that I believe uh, are important to uh, to setting up somebody for success. So hopefully some ideas there on what I test for. That's just what I test for, not suggesting it's right for everybody, how I test for it, but also something that I'm going to try that I've never tried before that came from listening to somebody else. Ooh, I better get practicing my stick men. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great icebreaker, because how many of us can draw? Well, I do lots of um, uh, workshops and, and I'm borrowing your idea. Um, and it's a great way of using a side of the brain in order to, and especially if something's quite complicated or analytical, then you're actually just forcing people to use a different side of the brain. So I, I do love that. Draw it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Genesis salespeople, um, part of our role is telling stories, yeah. value-based stories, helping people understand and isolate the problems they have, the alternatives they have to solve for it, and then creating compelling vision, not for just for how they can solve for it, but also why should they solve for it right now? Because mm -hmm. for many people, I'm sure, many uh, sales individuals and leaders listening to this, the biggest competitor is probably not the people down the road that kind of do what you do, maybe not as well. You know, we're all biased. Um, the biggest competitor for most of us in the current environment is status quo. People not investing, people not doing something different. Yeah, yeah. So I love what you have to say about recruitment and really focusing on on behaviours. Um, I um, work with uh, in partnership with a company that's got the um, the only sales specific and predictive with predictive validity, and it's it's all of this data set has been formed over the last twenty years by um, asking sell sellers of all different roles to complete a, a an assessment. And then from that, we've actually gone back and tested it. So you've got predictive validity on the job. So we kind of know in every role across the world, uh, every position, every market, you know, what great looks like. And we're able to measure that up. And in recruitment, we can say recommended or not, and also give the coaching notes. So I absolutely, because it, it takes the guesswork out of it. But one of the the uh, areas of the 21 uh, core competencies is exactly what you've you've said it is drive you give someone drive so we need to test for them if they haven't got it do not recruit them you don't want them in your team your manager's going to spend so much time giving that person energy so that's one of the top things the other is listening over talking why do you think we've got gong and all of these other companies you know and you know so it's many many of the aspects as you say you can teach the skills 
that's that's easily teachable but it's it's the other coachability if they're not coachable and it's interesting often a lot of managers and leaders are the ones that are not coachable which is why we're not having enough coaching in in, in the business so it's a fantastic data set that helps to guide so one of the things that comes out of the assessment is the individual coaching notes so this this person has the greatest potential these are the gaps this is how you need to coach the individual in order to bring them up to be a top performer, because we now know what the gaps are. So tell me more about your philosophies around coaching. Why is this so important to you? And why is the industry not quite there yet in terms of this is a method to help your individual sellers become top performers? I'm happy to do so. And, and if I may, I also want to touch on something that I'm very, very excited about. And that's the application that generative AI can have in this area, because it is mind blowing. And it is months, weeks away, not years away. So as a sales leader, it's just I cannot tell you how excited, but more on that in a minute. Yeah. In fact, while you're on that, then tell me more about that. Well, let me tell you why I think coaching is important first, okay. because we all agree that coaching is important. Gen AI and its impact on that, it doesn't really matter, right? Okay. Um, here's the thing. Um, so why is coaching important? Because time and time again, every study shows that effective coaching in a sales scenario drives attainment. It drives a quota into attainment. It drives up the customer experience. And guess what? It also drives up retention of top talent. All of our people, whether we whether we like it or not, have choice every day as to whether they turn up and whether they choose to continue to give their service to us as leaders. And as leaders, the only currency that matters is trust. And trust can be very effectively built through effective coach. Coaching is free. It doesn't cost anything. It does cost time. And arguably, time is the most, most valuable, but in terms of dollars, pounds, euros, it doesn't cost a thing. So why doesn't it happen? I think a couple of reasons. Number one, I know that early in my career, I was confused about what good coaching looked like. I'd been a rep, I'd done kind of okay. I was then promoted to a manager and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, what do I do now? Nobody actually helped me understand what I needed to do and how it is fundamentally different from being a rep or a super rep. Um, you know, I fell into the trap and I still have to catch sometimes um, in terms of, you know, coaching is not telling. And sometimes I'm so tempted to tell somebody what to do because I think I know best because I'm an old guy and I've got a bit of experience. Actually, that's not my job as a coach is to facilitate a conversation to help the person look at the options and then decide on the options. And of course, you know, that's situational. So somebody with more experience might need less guidance and might be, you know, we might play more of a support somebody with less experience or doing something for the first time one has to be a little bit more directive situational leadership is a is a brilliant model to look at that um but coaching it only costs time 
and it is the most effective tool that everybody on this call today has to immediately impact their business. The reason it doesn't happen because many of us are time poor. In order to create space for coaching, it has to be a deliberate commitment from an organization and from the leaders. And you've got to create space for that. And unless you are fiercely protective of that, of that space, one of the first things to go when you know it's end of quarter or whatever it might be so my advice would be create the space commit to it openly commit to it and and hold on to that in with the same level of importance that you would as a sales leader to your full cost call um then i think in terms of holding on to that space then then looking at how do you coach effectively look if you're a, a manager of managers um, one of the most important things I think you can do uh, is to help those managers understand what good coaching looks like, because many of them may not have had that education, that experience. They may be trying to figure it out just like I did and pretty much everybody else I know. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, all of us can improve. So, so try and figure out what the fundamentals are and give that playbook to your sales leaders, because ultimately, you know, once you get beyond first line leadership into second, third, you're reliant on your first line leaders because that's where you get the leverage across six or eight reps. Invest in the leaders first and make sure they're prepared, then invest, obviously, in the, in the front line. Why am I excited about generative AI? Because at the moment, we have so much data as sales leaders that, that we cannot see the wood for the trees. I have access to literally thousands of gong calls where we, our people, my people, people in my team are discussing high spot. That's in a new business environment where we're talking about the impact we can have. We drive up attainment, et cetera, et cetera. It's also in a, um, uh, an existing customer environment where we're talking about the partnership and how we continue to evolve that. I can't possibly listen to even 10% of them. But what generative AI can do, and this is something that we announced just over a month ago um, at our customer conference, generative AI has the ability to ingest any number of those calls, whether it's on Gong, whether it's on Teams, whether it's on any other platform, and then analyze it against a rubric of what we have defined great delivery looks like in a given situation and then summarize that back at an individual level to managers and managers of managers that actually help do what you said the other technology that you've been working does help guide that individual and the most exciting thing there is that you can deliver personalized truly personalized coaching at scale across thousands of salespeople. And so I think generative AI is going to do, it's already impacting many of our lives, but the impact for us as sales leaders to help us be even more effective in our coaching is phenomenal, even down to curating a unique learning path for you versus me, because I can see from those recordings that you have mastered skills in certain areas, but, and there are other areas where you might need to work that may be polar opposite to me. So no longer are we in our enablement and our training 
having to deliver a one size fits a few or one size fits all. We can truly personalize coaching and training at an individual level. I love that. I love that. And and that's the way, you know, I think we, you know, where I'm going and, and where we certainly need to go. Um, I'm going to switch it up uh, just a little. Um, and I love what you have to say. So, Andy, I'm going to start booking you now for next year. So just be warned. <laughs> I'm stalking you. I'm stalking you. <laughs> uh, if you're on a desert island, what's the one thing you would take with you? Uh, for those people that know me, they will know I'm a passionate sailor. So I would take a yacht. <laughs> Not a little <laughs> yacht, a big yacht. <laughs> uh, an appropriately sized one that would give me options to stay there, but also maybe to leave when I get a little bit bored with my own company. Right. It's it's lovely. I tell you, Randy, I've literally just come back from Croatia on Sunday and I was the opening keynote, the booking managers summit. And I love going to other countries and speaking. But what I love is when I learn as much as what I'm giving. And I all the research you do on the yachting industry, it's always this kind of grand lifestyle, you know, the, the super yachts and all of that. But what I realized was it's, you know, it's like an alternative to a second home. That's what it is. And there's a whole industry behind that. Not only a group of enthusiasts that are just normal people that just love to, to sell, that gets the bug for selling. It's a sport. There's so much. It's a retreat. It's an escape. But it's not necessarily the, the, the image that we're all given about the whole yachting um, industry. So I learned so much. And honestly, I'm talking to all my family. I've never really been on a boat before, but the, I've got a very good idea of where I want to go with it. So I absolutely now understand the, the, the love people have for sailing and being on the sea and the whole kind of environmental and wildlife. I absolutely understand that. So I, I think I might be joining you, stalking you on, on the yacht as well on your desert island. I'm, I'm just found aboard. a whole new love for it. Come on aboard and, and maybe we find a desert island in Croatia because uh, uh, cruising around the, the islands of Croatia, uh, for those people that have done it, they'll know just how special it is. They're beautiful islands, lovely people uh, and some very, very good sailing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. OK, I'm stalking you on the seas as well then. <laughs> Andy, how can listeners get hold of you? Uh, the best is andy.champion at highspot.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and um, I would love feedback from people. What have they enjoyed? What do they disagree with? What would they like to learn more about? Um, andy.champion at highspot.com. Well, I'm sure you're going to get lots of kind of positive messages because I've certainly um, learned a lot and agree with so much of what you say, which is why I'm having you back because we haven't covered the half of it. So thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Andy, I've absolutely loved talking to you. Likewise. Thank you, Janice. Brilliant. Thank you. That's uh, oh, my gosh, the time went so quickly. I'm sorry we've overrun a bit, but there was so much to talk about. Really, really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. And I'm serious about your coming on again next year, whether you like it or not. Well, I felt the pressure. I hope the wait was uh, was worth it. And I'd be delighted to. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for um, just being such a, a warm, well open host. It, it just makes these conversations yeah. so much easier. So thank you. 
yeah thank you andy you take care and enjoy the end of year hopefully it's a, a, a good one for you we have a lot to be excited about fantastic all right thank take you. care thank you andy bye, bye, -bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of scale your sales podcast if you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.